Welcome to Let's Talk. Here we will focus on the hustle, the juggle, and everyday struggle of small business. About their everyday struggles, stresses, and ways they have been able to overcome the challenges of running their business. We welcome questions and comments, so please feel free to email us at admin at plemonscpa.com. We hope you enjoy, and above all, we hope it helps. Well, welcome to the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business. I am your hostess, Thalia Williams. We are proudly sponsored by Pontum Financial, connecting your financial dots. Today in the studio, we have an awesome, fabulous young lady who has been in the show, been on the show about a year, year and a half ago, maybe two almost. And we want to try and catch up with her and see what has happened. Welcome once again, Maria Williams. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We're so glad to have you. So tell us a little bit now about what's been going on in your world, because the last time you were here, it was pre-COVID. Yes. So give us a little background history and then bring us up to date. Uh, Well, being uh, with Majestic Events by Maria, COVID knocked us out. And what is Majestic? So Majestic Events by Maria, we were a full-service event planning company. So we were doing events. Well, of course, we all know that. COVID knocked out gatherings and Correct. celebrations. And and it was a year that we were actually coming up. We started having a lot of, I knew, normally do corporate events. I started having weddings, which they can be enjoyable. And so I thought, oh, wow, okay, back to doing some weddings, a little more social events. And by February of 2020, the three weddings that I had on the books plummeted. Right. And uh, and and no one was planning anything because we didn't know the state of this pandemic. We didn't know the, how deep it was going to take us, you know. Um, and I had one corporate client for a symposium that I had done for two years and they held on. You know, corporate America is a little different because they know how to go with the waves, yeah. you know, um, and navigate. Uh, and the month before we normally have this uh, symposium, uh, we had to go. Virtual, which for me <laughs> was a challenge, uh, but we did. We pulled it off, and we had a virtual event, some you know filming and things like that. Um, so, and then I had started uh, the Art of Four in 2019. Mm, and what is the Art of Four? It sounds very artistic and you know very eclectic to the pragmatic people that are listening. But for the artsy so, people, explain it a little bit as well as Okay. Okay. The Art of Four um is an initiative and was a collective. It's more of an initiative now uh because we've gone from four artists Two twenty six, But what it was, um, I just felt the need to advocate on behalf of local black artists um, to make sure that they were getting the same opportunities as other artists in our city. Now, if they weren't getting the same opportunities, I was determined to make those opportunities, Mm. (laughs) provide them with opportunities. And we have grown by leaps and bounds. Um, So October 2019, um, then we had the tragedies of the summer, mm-hmm. you know, with the deaths of uh, Floyd and Rihanna Taylor. And so that kind of slowed things down because we did have a show in February, in January, excuse me, of 2020, which went really well for all the artists that were involved. 
and uh, we started picking up momentum. We were to do uh, the first contemporary art show for Institute of Texan Cultures. Of course, the week we were to install was the same week the governor and the mayor ordered shelter in place. Mm. So, um, Talk about pivoting. Man. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I was pivoting. I was just doing full circles. I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, more of a shot put style, <laughs> if you will. So, um, yeah, so started uh, the Art of Four, and as time went on, just uh, it grew. Um, people were understanding my mission, and artists were finding out about that mission. Um, you know when something is needed. You know when you're filling a void. When people are coming to you, you know you no longer have to seek. Mm. Um, you know the first four artists, two of which I knew, two of which I admired. Um, the original art of four were uh, Wardell Pinkett, Claudette Hopkins, Akime Davis, and Keldrick Dow. So those were my first four. But as time has gone on, like I said, we have twenty six uh, artists that uh, we advocate on behalf of. And and let me clarify something. We advocate for all artists, but we had to advocate for local black artists. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, the the void was there. You could see the inequity. And I just wanted to change that. So I didn't wallow and complain and protest. Not that protesting is bad, but this is my form of protest. Mm Mm-hmm. Advocacy, right? So um, that's that's where I am now, and and through the advocacy, through the initiative, um, I developed a gallery. Wow! Um, um, you know, going to talk with you know gallery owners or seeking galleries that may put more black art in, offer black artists an opportunity, and some of our museums. I thought, hmm, I, I was excited because you're happy when you get the opportunity to meet. Uh, when people are open to meeting you. Uh, so you always think, oh, that's my in. Well, sometimes that's more of a, we can check the box and send her on our way mm-hmm. or send her on her way. Mm-hmm. And that's what I kind of realized, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I didn't want to sit on my hands. Um, I did receive a grant from Lowe's Hardware of all places. Wow. <laughs> Don't know how they found out about me, but sent me the opportunity to apply for a grant um, that I received during COVID. And I just tucked it away because, again, um, meetings and socializing was not happening. So um, my biggest thing was I got this grant for me that was a godsend. I wanted to make sure that I had something to show for it. And uh that's when I went, ding, maybe a gallery. <laughs> wow. Now, that is definitely a pivot from a full-service event planning company to owning a brick-and-mortar gallery. So what was your hustle, juggle, and struggle in making those decisions and some of the things you encountered to make that shift? Wow. I tell you, it, it, was, it was scary because I'm not, I'm not an artist, Mm. I'm an art lover. I'm an art advocate. And so I call myself an activist. Activist. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a hard pivot. And so people are like, well, who is this girl? Who is this woman? Um, yeah, we understand she owned an event company. Well, part of what I did in the beginning of The Art of Four was plan events for artists. Whoever would allow us 
or if I had to pay uh, to show the art and have an art show, that's what we did. And then it was obvious that there was a space needed, uh, a space where where black artists could understand they weren't their art wasn't going to be judged by their self-expression mm. um, and that they would be comfortable enough to come in knowing that they wouldn't be judged by how they choose to express themselves through their art. And we have all kinds of mediums. So um, it, it, it was a fight because people didn't take me serious. But here we are. Undoubtedly. And see, I look at it because I've known you for many, many years. <laughs> I've seen the progress you've managed to make and the pivots. And mm -hmm. it has not been easy. I mean, that hustle there to even get recognition for, A, the art of four, as well as just acknowledgement that there is a need. Sometimes there wasn't even an acknowledgement. Oh, no, they're fine. They they can showcase at the McNay or they can go over to the San Antonio Art Museum or whatever, whatever. But that was never the case because a lot of the black artists were only known in a smaller circle. Absolutely. And You're, the city needed to know about them. The world needs to know about them. And and that is that's pretty much what I told them when when I gathered with them, right? So starting out with the four, uh, two knew me, two didn't. So uh, you know, I was wondering how who is this woman? She wants to talk to us about what? <laughs> and I just told them this is what I want to do. I see the need, and their response to what I wanted to do really put the fire under me because they they obviously were in need of someone to advocate on their behalf. And that's pretty much what they told me. Mm -hmm. um, so that's what I do. Uh, the gallery, which is in the eye of the beholder, art gallery and studio, um, opened September 16th, 2021. But we have made big strides, leaps and bounds. Uh, and I put it with with the initiative and the gallery, um, the initiative in me advocating on behalf of the artist uh, took me to Texas A&M University where the student union wanted representation. And so I built a relationship, went out to uh, Texas A&M, San Antonio, uh, a number of times looking at buildings, speaking with a gentleman by the name of Tim Gritton, who is over the library system for Texas A&M, San Antonio, who is very open and understanding um that there was a need for these students to see themselves on campus, representation on campus, that they are there. Uh, I will put myself on the chopping block and say, <laughs> when I got the call, you know, um, I thought, there are no black students out of, come on, Texas, A&M, San Antonio, which is way out, completely away from what I'm thinking the black communities are, and I'm not saying one side of town, but just anywhere. It's so far out. Right. Literally put my foot out the door of my car and looked up and saw the black students everywhere. Went four times, saw black students in every classroom, and went, oh, okay. I get it. My apologies. <laughs> right. I made an assumption. I made an assumption, mm -hmm. and uh, that's what none of us want, right? So, But I made that assumption, and then I also uh, recognized it and realized that there was a need because they had art. They had great art. Um, there was one piece that looked like me, mm -hmm. and um, there needed to be more. Than that's one a, piece. Than one piece. Um, and we have these great black artists that could 
fill some of these halls, you know, and give these students some of that representation. So in August of uh, 2021, we were allowed the opportunity to exhibit and um, took in some art. And it was placed in the Science and Technology Building. And for me, that was so significant. Science and technology is also another place that we struggle to be accepted. It meant, and emotionally for me, it meant so much. We've got black art in the science and technology building of Texas A&M University, San Antonio. Wow. It was wonderful. It is wonderful. So because after we did the reception, uh, the president of the university um, wanted to know how do we continue this? How do we sustain this exhibit? Um, so it's not a one-time thing. And I said, with a phone call. <laughs> Just, you know, and so we, we rotate art out, mm-hmm. uh, rotate art in. And um, I will say that the university has purchased art from our artists in the gallery, which makes me very happy. Yes, the purchase and the sale of art is wonderful. But now these artists who may not have had an opportunity to be in a permanent collection of a prestigious university are. Our, our youngest artist, who is 19, I was very happy for her. And she's only been painting for two years. Wow. What did that do for her? Now she's showing her art and saying, look, this is what I'm doing now. This is where my boundaries. I'm pushing and doing more and opening myself. That's the encouragement because the possibilities mm-hmm. are now opened. Undoubtedly. Wow. That's amazing. And that is truly encouragement because most 19 year olds are still kind of clueless about what they want to do. They may have some talent. And as you said, she's only been painting or creating for roughly two years. And then for that piece that she created to be accepted in a prestigious university, it can only propel her to say, what are the limits? There aren't any. So now the limits are only the ones she put on herself. But that's what almost any artist, you know, they keep creating and creating and trying to express themselves in different ways and different methodologies, pushing those boundaries for the opportunity for success. I mean, the old adage is the starving artist. Not all artists are starving and they don't have to die to become rich. That is something I tout. I really do. Um, You know, a lot of people uh, bring up the young man Basquiat. Well, yes, he became very popular. He made a little money. But boy, when he died, then we heard that one of his pieces sold for 1.5 or 2.5. And everyone was like, oh, wow. And I said, but he's dead. So those in charge of his estate are living well. But his demons killed him. Mm. He's not enjoying the fact that the rest of the world really loves his work. Mm -hmm. He didn't get that while he was alive. He didn't get that while he was alive. Um, And that's what I want for these artists. Mm -hmm. I want them to get that while they're alive. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other day I had an artist say that to me, uh, actually, well, maybe if I die, yeah, that's for me, that's no. That's the wrong mindset to have. Very wrong mindset. So, you know, with my advocacy, I also try to encourage these artists. Some of them um, need to understand that it really is okay for your community to love you um, and to have that support from your community. Everybody's ice is the same temperature. 
their ice is not colder than ours. Be proud of who you are. Don't sell yourself short by wanting acceptance by those who just look at you as a dollar sign. I don't look at my artists as a dollar sign. I look at my artists as as a community effort for me to make their lives better, mm-hmm. for them to understand their worth. You know, there's a big economic development part of this for me as well. Early on, learning that black artists didn't know how to price their work. I, I'm known for saying, put a one in the front or a zero in the back. The choice is yours. But you have to teach your value, not your worth. You should know your worth. But you need to teach the public the value of your artwork. And uh, that, that was a big challenge because they were scared. Well, I'm not going to sell anything if I mark up my work. Okay. I look at it as people who love to shop at Walmart. They're not going to step in, step foot <laughs> in Saks Fifth Avenue. Right. Saks Fifth Avenue people know that and they don't care because they're pertaining, they're gearing everything towards that client, that audience mm-hmm. who can afford their materials. They're not going after the Walmart people. Nothing wrong with Walmart. It serves its purpose. Absolutely. But the Saks Fifth Avenue, the Bergdorf Goodmans and all of those, they're not going after that. Same way with Target. They're not trying to go after the Saks Fifth Avenue customer. Even though they could, they choose not to. They know where their audience is. The artist needs to know where their audience is. Absolutely. Um, and, And I see a lot of them thriving. One particular artist, uh, and I, I will say her name, Akime Davis, I'm so very proud of the accomplishments and the achievements uh, that are coming her way and that she's been able to have. Uh, and, and she shared with me, she says, Maria, you know, I would have never known that I could sell my work for thousands of dollars. I, d- I don't want them to be at pop-ups anymore. Mm. That was the point of the gallery giving you a place in a space. And so she said to me, you, you've given me that. You've allowed that. And, um, I, you know, I, those things make me proud when I see their growth um, and they recognize their growth. And it's not always the growth of the art, but the growth of the artist. Mm. That's, that's what gives me a lot of joy. So, and we've got a lot of artists that, that are understanding that. Some take a little longer to grow, um, but that's okay. Every, everything in its time, everyone will have their time. Chris, tell us a little bit about investing in the market. Well, as with everything that you hear on any different channel, you're going to have to deal with the market and how you invest in it by talking to a proper professional. So we get a lot of questions revolving around interest rates, what's going to happen with the stock market, what's going to happen with lending, what's going to happen with bonds, what's going on overseas, the geopolitical world. And it's always important because things can change at a moment's notice to make sure that you're in tune with your financial planner. So come and talk to us about it. If you have questions, we're a great resource. We're more than happy to just answer questions for you whenever you have questions as being a resource for all the business owners out there. So, Chris, how can we get a hold of you for more information? Well, our main office is in San Antonio off of 281 and Bitters. We also have a website, pontemfinancial.com, P-O-N-T-E-M financial.com. And we're also on LinkedIn, Facebook, and of course, we have a phone, 210-625-4845 to reach out to a member of my team or myself. Thank you, Chris. 
Chris Hall is a financial advisor and partner with Pontum Financial in San Antonio, Texas. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor. Member FINRA slash SIPC. Are you challenged with finding artists because you have a gallery now and broadcasting the fact that there is a place to house black art are you having a challenge getting artists to come into the gallery or even having, you know, those um, opportunities to showcase various black arts? Are you just local or are you reaching to Austin and Houston and Dallas? Are you getting calls from there or is it like, OK, I'm knocking on the door? No, I have a multitude of artists uh, who are who are knocking on our door. I used to have to knock and kick on on doors, but now uh, I've actually pulled up to the gallery and have had artists in their car mm. or artists in front of the door uh, with their artwork um, to see how they can get involved. Um, I no longer can say I just advocate on behalf of local black artists because, yes, you're right, Austin, Houston, Dallas, um, some even a little farther outside of the state of, of Texas mm-hmm. uh, that have reached out. Um, so what that also tells me that this is just not an issue in San Antonio, but this is an issue through probably throughout uh, a great number of states uh, in the United States where mm. black artists don't have a space or a place to put their art. So, no, I don't have that problem any longer. Uh, if you came into my office, which I am climbing over my desk practically to get to the chair because I have art um, in, in, in my office. Um, I also find that I, I've had to learn how to say no. Oh. Um, but my no's, because as an entrepreneur, I know how no's are. And they can be disheartening and you just give up. I never want that. Mm-hmm. So when I have to say no, I said that's for right now. It may not be no in the future. Mm-hmm. And no usually and can stand for no new opportunities also. Right, right, mm-hmm. right. So, um, yeah, I don't, ha- I don't have a problem finding artists. And, and I smile, and I can't help but smile um, when I say that because there, there was a time that I think uh, those artists that I was going after mm-hmm. or were trying to get them to understand the mission and the goal. I mean, I have had some, some learning I've had to do. And I learn from my artists. Um, I learn how to speak of their art. I learn more about the art industry. Um, they give me great input, and I, I'm open to learning. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been perfect. I've made some a few snafus. But those who have forgiven me <laughs> are still with me. And, uh, again, they, they see the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is bigger than myself. The bigger picture is bigger than each individual artist. It is the entire mission. Um, I, I want uh, the art of four to be around after Maria. I want in the eye of the beholder art gallery to be around after Maria. So right now, what I'm starting to look at is how to sustain these entities. Um, I think we have to build our own and not always put it in the hands of others. Um, We talk about our narrative not being fully told. Well, if you hand that narrative over, 
to folks who don't know your truth or won't accept your truth, the story will never be told correctly. Mm-hmm. So it's very important for me to find a way to sustain these initiatives, the gallery. It's not taking something tragic for us to become trendy mm-hmm. because that's what's going on right now. Uh, black artists are trending and so you've got folks coming out of the woodwork who now all of a sudden are advocating for, for black artists. But they're not advocating for their health, mental health and well-being. They're advocating for the dollar. Mm. And for those artists who want that, <laughs> that's not me. I'm not the person for them. My gallery is not the person for them. My initiative is not the person for them because the the artists that I want are artists who who come in and say, how can I make it better? And that's what I'm learning. I'm, I have great artists coming to the gallery, not only wanting their work to be shown, but how do I help you sustain what you've created? Because you've created this for our community. And I always stop and say this. When I say our community, I do want the gallery and the initiative to be a blue ribbon that we pin on our chest and walk around very proud. But I also include the community at large because you need to recognize that these artists are talented. They've always been talented and they've always been black. Mm -hmm. So now that they're trending, you're running after them, but you should have been giving them opportunities years ago. It's like with anything else, the right time. Timing the right time. is key. And I know for you, you've always been a solopreneur <laughs> in everything that you've done from running uh, Majestic Events by Maria, somewhat the Art of Four and the gallery. How have you managed to juggle all that without help? Or do you currently have help now? So, well, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'm going to tell you where my help comes from first that allowed me to carry all of that. And that was God. Mm-hmm. And it took me time to sit down and go, oh, thank you, because it was not man. So it has uh, strengthened my faith and my relationship with God, and that makes makes me a stronger person. Mm-hmm. But I do have help. I do have people volunteering. I have one particular volunteer, Hoy Ellis. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes those thorns... <laughs> <laughs> are truly roses, you know, uh, and and that is what Hoy Ellis has done for me. He is he is an artist. First off, he he makes what we call blockheads. He's a sustainability artist um, who uh, uses everything that we would consider trash and makes beautiful work. Mm. And uh, they they are a hit. Anytime anyone comes around the corner in the in the studio gallery and see it, his work, they're like, oh my gosh. So Hoy. Uh, has really supported me. You know, when he's there when I'm, when the tears are falling. He's there when the trash can gets kicked and he pushes that up and then he pushes me up. And then he says, okay, now next. Did you get that? Now next. So, um, and he has brought in people who understand also the mission. And so they are saying, well, when can we come in? We had a call yesterday from a gentleman who's been wanting to come in and help, but not wanting to bring someone in that we don't have. They're specializing in so they can volunteer to only have him say, let me learn what you're doing. Mm -hmm. 
don't just bring me in for my special, you know, my mm-hmm. my specialities. Um, so yeah, yeah, we we've got a little more help, but it's been the challenge has been Maria accepting that help mm. as the owner, business owner, allowing folks in, allowing folks in. It's and, it's yeah. been a challenge. Um, and I know that you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> because that that is, you know, why do you want to help? Are you really here to destroy? Because that's the experiences that I've had. But I think, again, God sent me being able to say, okay, God, I need this help. And then him providing that by sending a person such as Hoy. Um, and you saying yes. And, and me saying yes. But let me tell you, the yes is still with mm, yes. Okay. <laughs> that's the kind of yes. And he sent me the right person who understands that and says, I know you're working through, but look, I need to get this done. So give me what I need to get this done. And, and so it's, it's been, uh, it's been fun. He, he has really made it fun again because there was, there was a period of time that I thought, you know, I could have kept my grant money. <laughs> and I could have just, uh, you know, done something else with it, mm-hmm. but, when I decided to to open the gallery and continue with uh, the art of four, you know, I spoke to my partner, and th- from there, I also get a lot of encouragement um, and strength. So, what's on the horizon now for the gallery for you personally, if not just with the business, but with you personally? I know there's a special event coming up in the month of June. You want to talk about it a little bit? The month of June, yes, we've been invited back uh, to Legacy Park to have Juneteenth. Uh, the Art of Four presents Juneteenth at Legacy Park. We did this on the fly last year <laughs> in 29 days, um, and it came out so well that we have been invited back, and we're excited. Um, there are a couple of districts in the city of San Antonio that uh, are stepping up and wanting to help with this uh you know, event. That's nice. That's yeah. real nice. So if someone wanted to get a hold of you to participate in the Art of Four or be a uh, exhibitor in the Eye of the Beholder Art Gallery and Studio, how would they get a hold of you? My telephone number for the gallery is 210-600-4141. That's the gallery number. And Eye of the Beholder 210 at gmail.com is our email address. And if I could um, add, though we champion the black artist, if there is an artist out there who would like to have an exhibit at our gallery, they're more than welcome to come and speak with me because I have had other artists, um, and, and you could tell they were a little nervous because they love the space. It's a beautiful, beautiful space. And I tell them the same thing. So I want I want people to know that, Again, the gallery is for the community of San Antonio. What's the address? The address is 1917 North New Braunfels, Suite 100, San Antonio, 78208. We're right outside uh, the gate at Fort Sam Houston. Nice, real nice, because, you know, we have listeners all over the country, and they may want to take a trip to San Antonio and come by the gallery, so they need to know where it's at. And we would love for them to do so. Uh, We just um, were 
invited and participated in the airport's national convention here in San Antonio. And we were <laughs> we were allowed to exhibit the art. So we made an art garden in a grassy area and um, we were the sites of San Antonio and we were the site of San Antonio. So we're wow. really excited about that because we spoke to people from literally every airport in the country. Amazing. Congratulations Thank you. on that. I'm hoping that that turns into something very beneficial and fruitful for your artists, the Eye of the Beholder Art Gallery, the Art of Four, all of your initiatives. I'm wishing you complete success in those endeavors. For all of you who have been listening in, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you. You all have a wonderful day. For more information about any of our guests, or if you have questions and comments, please email us at admin at And don't forget to check out our website, plemonscpa.com, for upcoming events and workshops in San Antonio. David B. Plemons CPA Inc. is providing this podcast as a public service, but it is neither a legal interpretation nor a statement of David B. Plemons CPA Inc. policy. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by David B. Plemons CPA Inc. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the Hustle, Juggle, and Struggle of Small Business podcast does not imply an endorsement of them or their concepts or any entity they represent. Views and opinions expressed by David B. Plemons, CPA Inc. employees are those of the employees and do not necessarily reflect the views of David B. Plemons, CPA Inc. or any of its officials. You should always consult your own investment advisors, attorneys, and accountants before making any decisions concerning your financial matters. If you have any questions about this disclaimer, please contact our office. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.